You're listening to the 10 Bagger Podcast, presented by The Daily Gold. Join us as we uncover tomorrow's 10 baggers today. And now here's your host, Jordan Royburn. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the 10 Bagger Podcast. This is episode number seven, and I'm with a new guest, someone that I have not interviewed before. We actually just met for the first time uh, talking about 10 baggers over the phone. His name is Don Durrett. You can find him at goldstockdata.com. It's a great website. You guys should definitely look at it, subscribe. And Don also has a great book, which he first put out in 2010, but he, he updates it every two years. The title is How to Invest in Gold and Silver, a Complete Guide with a Focus on Mining Stocks. Don, uh, it's great to have you on. I'm really looking forward to this. How are you today? Oh, doing good. Thanks for having me on, Jordan. So, Don, as we get started, maybe for those who are not entirely familiar with you or your background, why don't you tell us uh, how you got uh, involved in this sector and what led you to start your website and service? Um, two good questions. So I actually, I'm an old-time gold bug. I actually started back in 1991. Um, but I started, you know, I had no understanding of mining stocks, so all I did was uh, uh, mutual funds. And then in 2004, I started investing in juniors. Um, and at the time, there was no uh, silver mutual funds, and I wanted to invest in some silver miners. And the only way that I could do that was I had to learn how to analyze mining stocks. Um, the first person who I came across uh, was a guy named Jason Hommel who had a silver uh, mining stock because I was after silver miners. And at the time you had to uh, pay $100 to look at his portfolio. So I paid $100. And what he did was he was doing a lot of optionality plays and he was looking at uh, buying silver very cheap in the ground. And that taught me that uh, one thing that I learned was that you wanted to buy, uh, get a good entry price because he focused on buying really cheap silver in the ground. So I, I and I've always had that mentality um, of focusing on getting a good entry price, um, buying, buying really low, if you will, so you could get a 10 bagger. So I've always the reason I got into, involved in gold and silver mining stocks is I was after uh, big returns. Um, I wasn't after, you know, 25% annual returns or a hundred percent return on an individual stock. I wanted, uh, to make 500% return on my entire portfolio. So I focused from day one. Um, my ideal stock was a potential five bagger with 10 bagger potential. And when I wrote my book, I said in the introduction, you know, I'm after basically a 500% average return. So that's where I was at. Um, so that's how I got involved. I was always um, kind of a gold bug. I was always a believer in gold prices going much, much higher. Still am, never lost that focus. And I created my website because um, there wasn't anything out there. So um, I created a database of data. So I have 800 stocks in my database, and every single one of them, there's enough information for you to get a, a general idea. Plus, you get a lot of uh, detailed information like resources they have, balance sheet, um, upside potential, a lot of good stuff. And so 
And that's why I wanted to come on your show because uh, you're educating people and that's what I try to do with my website. Yeah, I like how you say five baggers because what, what I'm looking for, as I often say, I'm looking for stocks that can do 3x to 5x in you know maybe 18 months to two years. And, um, you know, the, the five bagger podcast, it just does, doesn't really hit the audience the way you say a 10 bagger podcast. So uh, yeah. it's really... You know, and I, I think you're the same way, you know, look, looking for five baggers that have the potential to be 10 baggers. So with that said, um, maybe you can share a 10 bagger or two that you've personally had over the years and, and what you've learned um, in, I mean, what you've learned in your history, because you've been doing this, it sounds like for almost 30 years, share one or two ones, winners that you've had along the way, and then what you've learned that you plan to use that's going to help you uh, in the years going forward. Yeah, that's kind of why I wanted to be on this on the podcast is to kind of share that experience. It's really been 15 years. The first 15 years, Robert, just doing mutual funds. But 2004 to 2019 was uh, juniors and you know ex exploration, development, production uh, focused. Yeah. So just to share some experience. So one thing that I learned, I've learned along the way is that uh, optionality plays and exploration stocks uh, have don't have a good risk-reward. Um, it's very, very difficult um, to, to find a 10-bagger, um, especially if, if, if you don't have uh, a, a large uh, bankroll or a large portfolio, such as Eric's brought, you know, where you can basically have a kind of a shotgun approach and just, you know, cover your bases and then you're, you're going to hit so many. But most people can't do that and it's just too much risk. So you end up on the uh, exploration side of things or on your optionality side of things. Um, you end up have to chase momentum. So what you ha end up doing is if you the only way you can really kind of reduce your risk, if you will, is to wait until a company starts trending. And, you know, very few of those, very few stocks do that. And so once a stock starts trending, then you can jump on the trend and then hopefully it'll go to a 10 bagger and then you can put a stop loss in like at 20%. But I don't like to, I don't like to do that because I just found that the risk reward just isn't there. So I, and that's kind of a short term kind of focus on a 10 bagger. You're kind of chasing the momentum. So what I do, and the, the, next, the other two areas are your developer and your production plays. And the, there's different risk levels on those. And I've found that on developer side of things is that you get um, where the risk, I thought it was going to be easy because it's, it's, it's really, it's not that difficult to spot potential 10-baggers. But what bites you is shared dilution as those developers, uh, developer plays get played out, because in order to develop a, a stock, a develop a, a project, it, it costs a lot of money to do um, your, your drilling, your uh, development costs, your PEA, your pre-feasibility and permitting. It costs a lot of money to do that. So inevitably, there's a lot of dilution that goes into play. And so you're waiting for them to get to construction. So usually in, you invest early on these development plays long before they're in production. Uh, sometimes you can get closer one to two years, but usually it's three years plus when you're getting in cheap. And what happens is before they get to production, the share price doesn't appreciate tremendously 
in rare cases they do because you're waiting for them to get closer to production and you're really waiting for them to get the cash flow going. So what happens inevitably in these is they get taken out. Um, I've had, you know, numerous stocks have gotten taken out um, development plays at, you know, 30 percent average uh, premiums. And what happens is, is that you're a lot of times you're underwater because there's been so much dilution between when they start when you bought the share and then during the so development plays when you're going after 10 baggers it's tough because you might do um see 10 uh development plays and of those 10 um at least half of them will get taken out and it's painful when they get taken out and so what i have found is that the best way to find 10 baggers is is try to find production companies like mid-tier producers who have upside potential and growth and you try to buy them when they're when they're under duress when they dip and you you basically try to get a good entry price on a on a strong company um for instance back in 2011 when we had duress and we had all those sell-offs you said you wanted me to give some examples, um, and I bought, for instance, I bought First Majestic. It fell all the way to a dollar fifteen during the duress, and that's when you really get easy ten baggers. Those are those are the best risk reward. Uh, um, a couple other uh, um, Silver Corp. I got it down near a dollar. Fortuna under a dollar, and I waited. And you have to be patient. Another one that was under duress was Alexco. I actually bought it at thirty three cents. And so when you're looking for five and ten baggers, you you have to be very patient. And you, Let me just interrupt you to clarify, because you said 2011, but I think you meant late 2008. Uh, uh, oh, yes. I'm, yes, I did. I meant 2008. I, just, yeah, I mean, I, I knew you meant 2008. I'm sure most of the audience, but I just wanted to clarify that in case a few yeah. listeners were getting confused. But I'll just say, actually... I don't know if it was the first 10 bagger I had, but I did go huge into first majestic. I bought that three or four times at the same time you did. And yeah, that was a 10 bagger. So, yeah. uh, and actually, yeah, I invested in a couple of those other things that you mentioned coming, coming off the 08 low. But, but with that said, Don, where we are here and now is, isn't it going to be more difficult to find um, a producer that could go up 10 X uh, just yep. just because, you know, we're not gold's been off the low for three years and we're a year off of the late 2018 low. Isn't it going to I mean, I, I'm sure you can still probably find a producer or two, but the, like the pickings, I guess, are probably slim at this point if you're looking at that group. Or do you disagree with me? No, no, I agree with you. We're getting there. We're definitely approaching it. So, yeah, I have. In um, the GSD database, Goldstock database, there's 56 top picks. Um, and I have, of those 56, I have a, a top 25 list. And so 25 of the 56 are in the top 25. Um, those 56 are all five potential five baggers or higher. Um, actually, I think it's 52 of them. Four of them are not. Um, but... So we're still there, but you said producers. So on the producer list, yeah, I think there's only like on those on those 50, uh, there's only 12, I believe, that are mid-tier producers, uh, kind of 10-bagger potential. So, yeah, the producers are starting to shrink, but they're still out there. But the risk, 
uh, goes up a little bit. For instance, some of those uh, like El Dorado Gold, um, they're, the risks are higher on these. They're the ones that are going to be – they look like they're kind of highly likely 10-baggers still. I mean, at higher gold prices. I have Leah Gold Mining, Argonaut, Hummingbird. So there's still a few um, producers out there. Yes, they definitely have risk because if you're going to have to going to think, you know, if you're going to get a 10 bag, you're definitely going to take on some risk at this time. You know, we're not down. For instance, when the HUI was at one foot 150, at that point there was like a lot of choices, right? Now we're up to I think 215. But even at 215, um, a lot of five baggers definitely. But yeah, the 10 baggers they're not so. So you have to look kind of analyze these stocks and look at which ones have. production growth potential um so you have to and then kind of kind of have to read between the lines there are some 10 baggers out there but it's hard to know exactly which ones so you have to like you said you have to look at like the three to five baggers the really good ones and see which ones become 10 baggers for instance myself right now in my portfolio i have eight highly likely 10 baggers um, and i expect to get uh, 20 is my expectation uh, through uh, now, when I say twenty, I mean with gold going over two thousand. So oh, I would. Yeah, yeah. I, I just to inter- interrupt just for clarity. So what what gold price are you talking about? These producers being ten baggers. Are you looking at like twenty five hundred or three thousand yeah. or two thousand? Yeah, it's a good one. Uh, I focus on twenty five hundred, but anything above two thousand is really going to start moving these stocks tremendously. But yeah, the dollar, the number I use is twenty five hundred because I just think that two thousand is kind of an inevitable number, and I think it's a little bit too conservative. So yeah, I value companies at twenty five hundred dollar gold, and that was another thing I wanted to talk about. So I have like fifty six top picks now. How do I do that? How do I come up with my top picks? My top picks are all based on future gold prices using uh, future. Uh, reserves and future cost versus compared to current market cap. So basically what I do is I take a current market cap and then I compare it to a future market cap. And the future market cap is based on future cost for for individual companies, um, future uh, reserves or what I expect them to produce, and then the future gold price. And I compare those two, and that's how I come up with my uh, potential five-baggers. And that's how I've how I've done it from day one. And so I'm always projecting out into the future. So I'm I'm basically a long term investor. You said you're like at 18 months. I'm more of a whenever it's going to happen kind of thing. So we, we could have a breakout of gold in, over the next 18 months where it could go to 2000. So it's hard to predict uh, when it's going to occur. But I don't expect it to happen in six months. Also, let's talk about exploration because it sounds like you're mostly focused on uh, producers and optionality plays but if you look at producers as i'm sure you know don you know, kirkland lake and some others uh, exploration success has been huge for those producers and so it's 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 i'm sure you probably agree but exploration is such a wild card in this sector and even just pure exploration plays i mean they're a gamble but as mm. you know you can get 10 baggers that way but so how do you assess the impact that exploration could have on an exploration company or a producer, or do you just not really factor that in? Oh, absolutely. I factored in. So yeah. So what you're doing when you look at these producers that are like three to five baggers, you look at their uh, properties and you look at how much exploration potential they have. 
And, and those are the kind of the stocks you want to own. For instance, like I am gold, I've always been a, a believer, well, not always, but for the last uh, at least year, I've been kind of a believer in I am gold because of their exploration potential. They have a good management team and they have a lot of really good properties. So they're, I consider them a growth story. So I'm looking for quality producers with quality products, projects that have uh, exploration stories. So yeah, definitely look at that. But uh, I, I, you said uh, I like optionality plays. I actually do not. <laughs> so optionality plays for me are very rare. I think Chesapeake Gold is like the only optionality play that I kind of like. But by and large, uh, um, that was kind of a lesson I learned that optionality plays are, are tough. But I do like development stories that look like optionality plays, if that makes sense. Um, in other words, development stories that have really quality projects that are kind of long term. I, I believe um, in looking at uh, companies that have what I call flagship properties. So a flagship property is something that would be a pr in production like 10 years plus, you know, 2 million ounce uh, project, gold project, 40 million. So I, I'm always looking for flagship projects in good locations and they and they kind of kind of check all the boxes, you know, the, the grades okay, the economics are good, the locations all right, management. They check the boxes. That's what I'm looking for. Now to go back to exploration plays per se. I uh, early on I was kind of a, an optionality play on exploration projects, and I did do project generators early on in my career because I, I thought that. Um, these companies knew what they were doing <laughs> and they could find projects. And I found most of the time they can't. And so I still own uh, a lot of exploration play and I still do chase um, some drill results. Uh, for instance, I bought high gold last week um, because they had a, uh, something and I'm chasing the drill results with them because I think they're, I think that they are onto something in Alaska and they also have some, some they're drilling also in, 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 in good places in Canada, Ontario and Quebec. So I, I, I so I do buy a few uh, exploration plays. Um, the Golden Triangle, I own a few exploration plays there. But I'm kind of like Eric Sprott. Uh, I wanted to use an example of him kind of on how s strategies goes for 10 baggers. Now, Eric Sprott has always been a guy that's after 10 baggers. You know, he's like me. He doesn't care about a one or a two bagger. And he invests in a lot of exploration plays. Uh, more than me, I'm more of a. I like to chase cash flow more than exploration plays. I think he, I saw on CEO he they show where he he has 80 pro, 80 projects that they know of, 80 companies that they know of that he owns, and the majority of them are exploration plays, and he does exceedingly well. So I definitely think that exploration plays should kind of be part of your portfolio if you have a large portfolio and you. Own a lot now, Sprott. He he's a billionaire, right? So if you say let's take one billion dollars, one percent of that is ten million. And if he's investing in an exploration play, it's less than one percent of his cost basis, right? So my cost basis, I generally have uh, less than one percent, and for exploration plays, I'm less than 05 percent. So you just have to keep your cost basis low so that when you go out and you go after these lottery picks. Um, and you're trying to chase some of these uh, that you just keep your cost basis down. You don't want to put one, two percent in an exploration play. It just, you know, you can do it with a stop loss, of course, but I just think that's just too much risk. Yeah, Sprott has almost single-handedly kept the junior industry alive in the last couple of years. 
with yeah. all of his investments. And I will say it's funny that you mentioned the project generators because I'm going to do a video on those at some point. I don't want to say they're a scam, but um, a lot of people have lost a lot of money in yep. their stocks in recent years. And they, they, for the most part, they don't have any gold. Like right. they're just, they're really just, why don't you talk about your, expound a little bit on your experience with those and how you feel about those now? Oh, in hindsight, I wish I would have never brought it, bought any project generators and I would have just focused on chasing drill results and momentum plays because I, I bought a, a lot of project generators that, like you said, that didn't have anything. And I was just, you know, okay, I'll just wait. You know, they have all these great, great properties. Um, and you know, they're going to find something and they, like I said, they never do. And then they just dilute their shares into the ground and you just end up, uh, you know, losing 80%, 80, 80, the stocks go down to 80% pretty quickly. Um, and it's amazing how many there are. I mean, I have 800 stocks in my database and, uh, you know, the vast majority of them are exploration places that don't have, um, anything really. So when I say anything, I mean, they don't have a project that they're drilling. So what you want, if you're going to do an exploration play, is you want a company like, say, Lion Gold, who's onto something. I call it a drilling story. If a company doesn't have a drilling story, meaning that they are onto a, they're onto a potential discovery, a potential, you know, significant discovery, and you don't want a project that, that maxes out at 500,000 ounces of gold, that's not going to make you any money. You, there's two things that you want to make sure that you do. One is you get enough exposure in that company that if they are a Tim bagger or if they, they do find something, you make money back. I, I was talking to somebody recently who, who um, owned um, Silvercrest Mining. I thought, wow, you probably have a, you must have a hundred thousand dollars in silver because he said he's, you know, he's like a hunter bagger because he got in early on, on Silvercrest. I thought, wow, you got a hundred thousand in there. And he said he only had 30,000. So he didn't even invest a hundred. He didn't even bet a, invest a thousand dollars in the stock. So if you don't have any, you know, you got to invest enough so that if they, if, if it does, if you do get that lottery pick, you make some money. You know, five hundred dollars, you know, in an ex exploration play, that's probably not, you know, enough. If because it, you know, that's my feeling. You got to have a little bit of skin in the game in these, but you don't want to have a huge cost basis either. Um. But again, you want to make sure that it's a good drilling story, meaning that they have good drill results already. So, I mean, something significant. Um, now, Lion Gold, I mean, that's not definitely a slam dunk. It's still a risk play. Um, Quentin Henney thinks that there's gold deeper because they never drilled it deeper. And he thinks they think it's going to be a big mine. So it's a it's a drilling story. It's, it's a risk. I'm chasing it. I'm chasing high gold again. There's some new one. Uh, there's another one out right now that had a couple other drilling stories that I didn't buy Vizsla, but I'm kind of I'm looking at it. I mean, a lot of there's some noise about it. Maybe it's a good drilling story. Uh, Benchmark Metals is another drilling story people are talking about. Um, there's a few others out there, um, but I, you know the best one. I mean, Bear Creek. I mean, once Bear Creek had those solid drill results early, and then it doubled and tripled. I mean, that's when you get in. They, and those are the drilling stories you chase. Those are kind of 10-bagger momentum plays, and you can definitely make money doing it. But that's not my forte. I dabble in those. My forte is quality management teams, quality producers, and let those guys go to town and let them be very successful companies. And that's where you 
you know, you make your money. Well, I like what you said about um, exploration and drill place because something that I look for, and you were I think you were kind of hitting on this, is I look for they they found something. There's some value there, so there's some backstop as far as value, but they feel that there's a significant amount of potential that they can really expand what they've already found and it can blossom into some huge discovery. So those are kind of like, that's what I like to look for in uh, exploration companies where at least there's some kind of backstop because the problem with many of them is they're just starting out and there's like, yeah, we like this pro- project, but there's no, there's no backstop. I mean, they could drill it and, and not have good results. And then you're just kind of, you know, it doesn't mean they can't hit it, hit onto it in the future, but then you're just kind of, you're kind of stuck onto the stock and you can't really sell it. And so I, I like to avoid those types of situations, but I mean, there is a lot more reward in those situations, you know, cause it's more ground floor than if you wait for something, wait for at least a, a little something to be shown at first. So that, that's kind of, that's kind of my uh, forte with exploration plays. Yeah. Hey, people should be listening to us. Because we've been doing this for a while, and we've learned that. And I agree with you completely. Uh, you shouldn't be investing in an exploration play that does, is, does not have a good drilling story. And the other point that you made, which I think is really, really good, is that you want, um, in tandem with the drilling story, you want to kind of listen to ma- the management team and see how excited they are. And you want them to tell you the geology. You want them to tell you, okay, we found this drilling hole. This is what we found. But we know, based on the geology, that we have all these other drill areas that should also have gold-bearing uh, mineralization. And they should be super excited about the drilling play. Um, there's another one. Uh, it's, I think it's in Senegal that I, I'm actually looking at right now. And the management team is super excited about it. Oh, gosh, I... Is it, on, is it on the ASX or is it on the TSX? Yeah, it's on, it's on the ASX. There's not that many exploration companies in Senegal. Wait, let me just stop you for a second because it might be – I can't recall what the first interview we did with the mining book guy. It might be the stock that he mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah is, it was him. Is, yeah, it, is really. it Chesser Resources? Yeah, Chesser, Chesser, yeah. <laughs> he, he's going to be over the moon to hear to hear a kind of shout out on this episode. Yeah, so so ma- so management is ex- so what I did did you know he mentioned Chesser and I I decided okay let me go listen to what management has to say, and management's excited about the stock, but it's kind of it's an early play and you have to wait and see. Um, you know what the what the drilling were. It might be too early. Maybe wait, wait and see if they can hit another couple holes. But um, one of the things, it's a big, big property, and that's a good example. So they've had some some solid holes, and management is excited. And that's what my point was. What you said is that you kind of want a management team um, that is telling you what the story is. It's like, okay, this is what we've found, and we think it's going to be a big mine, basically. Those are the drilling stories you kind of want to chase, but they don't always pan out. And but it's better than than investing in a company that doesn't have a drilling story, and all they're doing is trying to get you to invest in their company. They're saying they're going to find something. We're drilling over here, but we don't, you know, they don't have a they don't have a mind that they're actually drilling. They don't have a, a story per se. But that that was kind of my follow up to what you said about you want to. 
you want to know that the company itself um, is kind of telling you what they think they have. And, and Lion One's another one that's kind of screaming, we think we have a big mind. Right. Um, well, one, one other thing, I, I know you touched on this a little bit, but like what kind of criteria is most important to you? Is it, and I'll just throw off a bunch of things here. Uh, is it management track record? Is it uh, uh, the track record of the geologists? Is it the share structure? Um, is it just the, the value of the company uh, versus what it has and, and the potential? Uh, I mean, is it the retail float? Is it their capital structure? How much cash do they have? Those sorts of things. Uh, how, how do, obviously all those things are important, but I mean, to you, are there one or two of those things that really stand out uh, or is it kind of all of them together? It's, it's a good question. So I have, I actually have an, an incomplete chapter in my book about this and, and it's kind of how you value the company. And so what I do is I, when I start out, I look at the various areas and I try to identify the red flags so you start in and there's various categories, right? So you start with the property, you know, and, and the property itself, it's like, okay, does the, is the property already a large mine? You know, what are the resources they currently has? You know, what is the grade? Is the grade economic? And, and it likes a combination of everything, but you're, you're trying to find where the weaknesses are. You know, what is the IRR? If the IRR is under 20%, you're like, oh, gosh, you know, it, ha it better be a pretty big mine and it better be very, very cheap. I mean, there's some instances where you do that. It's, you know, it's kind of more of an optionality play. But you're kind of looking at you want an after-tax IRR that's like 25% or higher. So the grade isn't super significant as long as the IRR is solid. But you look at the properties. You look at the, where the property's at, you know, the location, you know. Sometimes, you know, there's certain places you just avoid. You know, I'm, I'm more and more avoiding certain areas. Uh, for instance, I don't in Africa. I, I try to stay in West Africa, even though the risk is hot, getting higher and higher. I prefer, Canada is my favorite. Australia is next. U.S. is third. Uh, Brazil, Ghana are probably after that. Then South America. You know, some parts of uh, Asia and Russia and and in Russian Europe, I don't particularly like. So that, that's the location thing. Then, then if after that, you look at the management team. Have they done it before? You know, I don't like it when there's an accountant who's the CEO and he's got a development project because there's no way that an accountant's going to build a mine. I prefer people that have built mines already. I don't particularly like when a CEO has sold his last two last two projects. So you start you start looking at the red flags. You look at the management potential red flags, um, all the way down all the way down the list. Um, you know, then. The, the most important factor, and this is kind of what you asked me about, you know, what is the most important thing you do? And the most important factor to me is, ca is future cash flow potential So versus their current valuation. So if you look at a company, for instance, I learned very early on that you want to buy gold in the ground or silver in the ground cheap. So you want to buy gold in the ground approximately $50 an ounce versus their, their resources, what, the, what they're going to produce. They talk about, you know, what, what are your values, your reserves? For instance, um, Kirkland Lake currently is valued about $1,500 per ounce of reserves. 
So that's kind of the upper upper band where you're going to get to. But a lot of companies are going to be valued, especially majors, at $500 for reserves, and some are going to be at a thousand. So if you can buy at $50, then you just need to get to 500. Or if you buy at 20, you only need to get to 200. So you want to buy around 50 or or 20. So you, you're buying that that low valuation. So for me, what I look at first because if the company's only at you know 250 percent um, upside potential, then you know I probably am not going to be buying that stock. So that's kind of the most that's the most important number. But if it's over say 400 percent, then I'll take a close look at the red flags. And if it's over say a thousand percent, I might accept a few more red flags. So in each each of those different various pro, uh, characteristics of a company, you know, those those are the red flags and you have to kind of weigh it all all out. And then once in a while you find a company that doesn't have any red flags and you just you just have to buy it. You know, there, I always say there's certain companies you have to have in your portfolio. And you hopefully you got them with a good entry price. And so that's my answer. Right. Um well, before I uh, before we end this, Don, um, and before you give out your website and how people can subscribe and get your book, uh, what, I know you've mentioned some names already. Would you be willing to share maybe one uh, pick for a ten bagger? It doesn't have to be your best one, but one you're willing to give away. Um, yeah, I'll actually do better than that. I'll give out ten. <laughs> so, <laughs> so for producers. I have El Dorado Gold. These are all potential 10-baggers. Uh, El Dorado Gold, uh, Leah Gold Mining, uh, Argonaut Gold, and Hummingbird Resources. Uh, those are the producers that I think are potential 10-baggers. Uh, and for development plays, these are all uh, late-stage development. Um, Orzone Gold, uh, Amarillo Gold, Almaden Minerals, Golden Minerals, Falco Resources, and First Mining Gold. So there's your 10 that people can go and take a look at. Uh, okay, Don, uh, before I let you go, please give out your website again. Tell our listeners how they can subscribe and how also can they get your book. Okay, great. So um, my website is goldstockdata.com. And uh, if you send me uh, an email, if you go there, you can hit click on the contact me and if you've never tried it before, I'll give you a two-week free trial. All I need is your email, and I'll set you up. Um, that's kind of a Christmas gift for you. Um, for On my website, if you become a member, uh, the PDF version, the digital version, is free. Otherwise, on my website, there's a link on the very bottom that says book. You just click on the book, and that will take you over to Amazon, and you'll see a lot of four-star reviews on it. Um, that My book will teach you how to invest in junior mining stocks. And uh, it's probably the only book out there that does. So, and, and Jordan, thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure, Don. And the, the cost to subscribe is? It's, it's $150 a year. And uh, it's a great bargain because one of the things that's fabulous about it is maintaining your portfolio. So what I do is uh, you can actually put your portfolio on, on the website and then you can monitor it. It'll have the current cost and then you can – you can go basically anytime something happens to your company or your stock, it has all the links right there. Without that, that feature alone is probably worth it. 
But then you get my um, my newsletter, which is free with your subscription, which is which is great because I have all these lists, you know, twenty five bagger list, ten bagger list, um, you know, dividend stocks uh, in the top twenty five. So the you know the, the newsletter is probably worth the, the subscription alone. So come on over. Outstanding. Well, Don, it was a real pleasure to have you on. I mean, I, I was writing down some some notes as you were talking because you provided us and our listeners with so much value. Listeners, you got to subscribe. I mean, we're setting up, at least in my opinion, for a really good 2020 for this sector. You got you to gotta subscribe to some high quality research. Uh, go to goldstockdata.com. It's definitely worth it. Don, thank you so much for coming on. I really enjoyed our conversation. And uh, I hope uh, I can have you back again sometime next year. We can talk more about 10 baggers. Yeah, let's do it again. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to the 10 Bagger Podcast, presented by The Daily Gold. For premium coverage of precious metals and the best junior mining companies, visit thedailygold.com forward slash premium.